Good morning, North Point family, and good morning to you who are visiting with us. How many of us have had encounters with young and old alike who have been an inspiration in our life? For example, I think of those like Lloyd and Ethel who were uh, an inspiration to me and Roxanne starting out as a young married couple. They have been married for a number of years and their love for God and each other was infectious. I remember telling Roxanne, man, Roxanne, I want what they have in a marriage relationship. I encourage us to take a moment and think about those in our life who have been a great encouragement to us as a child, a teenager, young adult, or a senior. What was it about them that stands out to you? As I look back on Lloyd and Ethel's life and the sudden passing away of Lloyd at the age of 60, I find myself thinking more about Ethel's faith in God and how she was able to bounce back in spite of her great loss. The Bible teaches us that the condition of our faith will impact how we respond to the unexpected as well as the predictable outcomes. If we have a resilient kind of faith, we will not only survive, but we will actually thrive in and through our troubles, tragedies, and traumas. And so for over the next number of weeks, we are going to look into the lives of several Bible characters who lived a life of resilient faith. Men and women like Job and Daniel, Noah, Esther, and Deborah, who bounced back in spite of their trying circumstances. Now, to help better prepare us for the journey of those we will be looking at in the coming weeks, I invite us to take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11, where we discover that a resilient faith does not come by trying hard, but by leaning into God hard. Now, since Hebrews 11 is too much for us to cover in the short amount of time that we have this morning, I will be reading some of the verses and narrating other portions of our text as we go along. Uh, hopefully, this will not be too confusing for you as we start with verse 1, where we are given a brief description of faith in God. And so here's what Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 1, says. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now let's just stop here for a few minutes. We read that faith is being confident in what we hope for, and it is the assurance about what we do not see. Now we have all heard it said that when we live, uh, or that we live every day by some degree of faith, whether that be when we get up in the morning hoping 
that we are going to have a good day ahead, or when we end our day as we close our eyes hoping that we are going to have a good night's sleep. If we did not have a basic level of faith, friends, we could not possibly live out our lives with a degree of sanity. Yet our passage takes us to a place of faith that transports what I refer to as everyday basic faith to a heightened level of faith where we believe in the existence of God. As Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This heightened level of faith does not only believe in the existence of God, but a loving, gracious, and merciful, and all-powerful God. For we read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he ex exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, or as the message puts it, it's impossible to please God apart from faith because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Now, there may be those of us who believe in the existence of God, but for us to believe in a loving, gracious, and merciful God is more difficult. And I say this because some of us may think that God is someone who is distant and disconnected from everyday life. And he is someone who we find anything but trustworthy for multiple reasons. Now, if this is the case, then I encourage you to sit down with the Bible and spend time reading about the life of Jesus. Friends, in getting to know Jesus, we are able to understand who and what God is like. As Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 9, if you know me, you will know the Father. Jesus is the explicit image of God. And as you get to know Jesus, you will discover that he, like Father God, is loving and merciful, compassionate, and forgiving. Now, with this in mind, moving on in verse 2, we read that this is what the ancients were commended for. Now, before we look further at what the ancients were commended for, let's first understand who the ancients are that our passage is referring to. The ancients are those listed for us in verses 7 to 12, those such as Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, David, Samuel, and according to verse 35, so many others that could not be listed, but are not, that could be listed, but they're not mentioned. The ancients 
are men and women of all ages who believed in the existence of God, but also men and women who believed in a loving, merciful, and trustworthy God. Now let's just stop here for a minute uh, before we go any further, and let's ask ourselves where we are in our faith with God. Friends, have we come to a place where we truly believe that God exists? And do we believe, truly believe, that He is loving, that He is merciful, and a trustworthy God? Friends, this is a, a, an important question to ask ourselves and to respond to before moving on. Because our faith in the existence of a loving, merciful, and trustworthy God gives further opportunity for us to experience a resilient faith that not only helps us survive, but as I mentioned earlier, it helps us thrive in times of troubles and tragedies and traumas. So what is a resilient faith? Well, to help us answer this question, we need to consider those mentioned in verses 17 to 25. Those such as Noah and Sarah and Abraham and Jacob and Moses and others like them who knew what it was like to face extreme difficulty and disappointment. So, for example, verses 17 to 25 tells us that Noah believed what God said about the impending flood and built a boat 120 years before he saw a single drop of rain. And what about Sarah? Well, Sarah considered him faithful who had promised even though she was barren and too old to conceive. And by the way, our passage, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is referring to when Sarah was 90 years old and still not pregnant. Keep that in mind. And Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. He didn't cling to the promise that he would become the father of many nations through Isaac. And what about Jacob? Jacob didn't see the promised land in his lifetime, and yet he believed his children would inherit it one day for themselves. And so what did he do? He blessed them to do so upon his deathbed. And Moses chose to be with God's outcast people rather than enjoying the pleasures of the Egyptian palace. By faith he left Egypt, trusted God, over Pharaoh and led his people out. Now, I realize that the examples that are given here in, in Hebrews chapter 11 are of those who faced extreme, uh, who faced extreme difficulties and disappointments can be easily overlooked unless we take time to consider the pain that these individuals would have endured by bringing it closer to home for us. So I want us to take a moment and think about what it would be like to get up day after day to face 
the leftover struggles from the day before, or having to go to school wondering if you're going to be the next victim of being bullied. Or think about what it is like to listen to the hurtful words of rejection by an abusive spouse, or what it's like to face the prejudice and the hateful ignorance of others. Think about having to face a temptation that's beat you down time and again, or having to face the same fears that never go away. Think about facing the failures and mistakes of the past that revisit you day after day. These are some of the extreme difficulties and disappointments that we face that are similar to what the ancients faced in their faith journey. Now, returning to our passage, you may have heard Hebrews 11 referred to by some as the Faith Hall of Fame. And this is because of how these men and women were able to bounce back in times of difficulty and disappointment. They didn't give up. They didn't throw the towel in. They did not call it quits. Unlike modern day halls of fame, this group of individuals didn't rely on their mere determination and skill to get them through, but rather on their inner resolution to believe God's promises in the face of trial and adversity. And by the way, they had no way to track the arrival of God's fulfilled promise. They just believed and trusted in God. One thing I appreciate about online shopping with Amazon is their tracking system. I can look up my order and I can find out when I will receive my package, but not so with God. We can't track the timing of God's fulfilled promises, can we? But we nevertheless can trust him, which is what the ancients in our passage are commended for. So looking once again back at verses 17 to 25, we read, that Noah believed what God said about the impending flood, and he built a boat 120 years before he saw a drop of rain. Sarah considered God faithful, who had promised, even though she was barren and too old to conceive. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. He didn't cling to the promise he received, but considered God faithful enough to raise him from the dead. And Jacob didn't see the promised land in his lifetime, and yet he believed his children would inherit it one day. And Moses, Moses chose to be with God's outcast people, rather than enjoying the pleasures of the palace. By faith, he left Egypt, trusting God over Pharaoh, and he led his people out. Friends, I asked earlier 
where we are in our faith journey. Do we truly believe that God exists and that he is a, a, a loving, merciful, and trustworthy God? Now I'm asking us, how are we doing in our faith journey? Are we still relying on God to fulfill his promises as we face the difficulties of life? Is our faith such that we are able to bounce back when hitting a wall? When I was younger, I would take a ball and I would throw it up against a wall and wait for it to bounce back so I could catch it. A resilient faith is like a rubber ball. When we put our faith out there, trusting in God's promises, and we hit the wall, God is there to catch us. He doesn't just let us bounce back and spiral out of control. What I'm saying is that a resilient faith is a, a life of faith that is constant and trusting. Now, please don't misunderstand me when I say constant. I am not saying we live a life where nothing shakes us or we don't mess up. The examples of men and women who were resilient in their faith had plenty of mess-ups, but their faith remained constant in spite of their mess-ups. Think about King David. We know the story well. He commits adultery with Bathsheba. Discovering that she is pregnant with child, David has her husband Uriah, an elite soldier in his army, placed at the front lines to be killed to cover up his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel 12, Nathan, the prophet, confronts David about his sin of adultery and murder. And the consequence for David's sin with Bathsheba would be that would be the loss of his child. Yet David's faith remained constant in God. For we read David saying, after losing his child, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. I share this event out of David's life to remind us that the men and women listed in Hebrews chapter 11, Faith Hall of Fame, didn't have it all together. They messed up. Yet even in their mess-ups, they continued to trust God and trust in His faithfulness, trust in His mercy, trust in His grace in spite of themselves. A verse that has helped me much over the years in my mess-ups is Titus chapter 3, verse 5, where we read that God saved us not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of His mercy. Friends, this is a promise that I hold dearly to. I don't have to earn the fulfillment of God's promises by doing everything right. Now, I'm not saying that there are no consequences for wrongdoing, but God's mercy trumps our mess-ups. Like David, I have suffered consequences for my mess-ups. But friends, I have seen how God has worked in my life in spite of them. A resilient faith 
remains constant in all circumstances. It trusts in God's promises with a focus on eternity. We read in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 26 that Moses regarded disgrace for the, the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, I realize that we could spend quite some time talking about how the mention of Christ surfaces in our text when Moses lived some 1,400 years before Christ. But since I don't have time to expound on this insertion in our text, what I will say is that our passage is saying that Moses, like Christ, looked at life through the lens of eternity. Like Jesus Christ, Moses, as well as all of those who have a resilient faith, are people who do not limit themselves to an earthly perspective when it comes to the fulfillment of God's promises. They, like Christ, believe that God's ultimate plan for them reaches past the earthly into eternity. And this gives them great joy. For we read in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 that Jesus himself, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised shame, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. A resilient faith approaches life from a heavenly outlook rather than a limited earthly perspective. It holds fast despite temporary setbacks and hardships. No matter how faith-filled or faithless we're currently feeling, friends, be assured that faith comes not from those who try hard, but those who lean into God hard. In closing, I asked earlier, where are we in our faith journey and how are we doing in our faith journey? Now I am with the question, will you lean into God's heart? Will you continue to lean into God's heart during these times of, of disappointment and, and struggles and discouragement? When we are waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled, can we consider our waiting as a gift rather than a punishment? Can we approach our waiting as a time to learn to and grow and enjoy where we are with God rather than fret over where we think we should be in our situation and circumstances? After all, when God says wait, he always has a good reason. Waiting on his timing might be the perfect opportunity to learn to stress less and find joy in the journey because we know we can trust God. Over the next number of weeks, as we look into the lives of Job and Daniel and Noah and Esther and Deborah, may we be encouraged to have a resilient faith and bounce back in spite of our trying circumstances. Let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you for the promises in your word. And we thank you, Dad, for, for the many examples, life examples of those who put their trust in you. Uh, those who continue to believe that in spite of what they were going through, you are a faithful God. And as a result, they were able to bounce, bounce back in spite of what they found themselves up against. And so, Father, in these coming days, especially as we're working through this series, I pray that you would help uh, us be, be encouraged by the life examples of those that we will be uh, looking at. And I pray that our encouragement will come as we realize as well that these are individuals just like us. Yes, they are men and women who stand out because of, of their resilient faith, but Father, that is because they had learned to lean hard into you. And so may we be encouraged by that. May we as well be men and women, uh, youth, children who learn to lean hard into you and out of that find ourselves responding uh, not just uh, existing but responding uh, with a sense of joy because uh, we know that you are far greater than uh, what we are up against and you are a good God and and you have planned good things for us and so we commit uh, ourselves to you. We commit one another to you for the days that yet lie ahead. In Christ's name, amen.